Welcome back to Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. When I think about the Lord and writing the Lord's name on hands, I think about the Jewel song. Do you know what I'm talking about? Wait, what I, Jewel song? Back, but this, this is very 2003. Is I'm quite excited. Yes, it is. It's like, uh, my hands, they are my own. Right. Uh, they are yours. yours. They are my yeah. own. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I heard about... 1998. So, exactly. It was in 1998. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I heard about um, someone seeing Jewel on a plane, I think like a friend of mine or something. <laughs> and apparently Jewel was like only listening to her own music. What? <laughs> How did they know this? That What? Like they could see it on her iPod. Like she was like listening to her own stuff and like super jamming out, which is maybe cool. Why not? Or maybe like really egotistical i don't I know, say, I don't know. In, in defense of it. jewel i don't know the situation but i could also see she's like checking out the new like master of her album true. and like right. wants true. to be sure you know i get it yeah all i, I know it. is that anything i make i never want to look at or hear oh, or have anything me. to do with Here ever you. again so for Here. her to Here have it. the strength of spirit to be like yeah i'll rock out to my own album i'm like yeah That'd be nice. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, good for her, I guess. Like, impressive. But yeah, but that's absolutely what I thought of when I was listening to us reading this part, (laughs) this Isaiah 44, um, about writing the Lord's name on your hand. What is up with that? Yeah. So is it a thing people really do? Um, I guess so. I guess in this, (laughs) at least it is. Yeah, it's it's this thing like this promise of, uh, according to enduringworld.com, the promise of enduring word word yes word yeah not you've, world, you've gone word. to this site a few times this is one of your Have faves I? one of your oh. faves yeah the promise of belonging to the Lord so it says that um, another effect of the poured out spirit is that he identifies us as belonging to the Lord. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on us, we know that we belong to the Lord and we aren't afraid to say it. The Holy Spirit is an identifying seal upon the believer, which is really interesting. That's very fascinating. What, like, it says, are they speaking metaphorically here? Um, oh, wait a minute. That was a, from Ephesians. Ephesians? <laughs> Ephesians is how Ephesians. we say it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we want to take the name of the Lord. We want everyone to know that we belong to him and he belongs to us. Okay, that was more commentary. It says that uh, the text may have another rendering for if you notice the word with in the text is in italics. I don't know if it wasn't ours to show that it was inserted by the translators. It might run thus. Another shall subscribe his hand unto the Lord. This alludes to the custom which still exists, but which was more common in those days of a servant being marked or tattooed in the hand with his master's Mm. name. Paul alludes to this when he says, Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the mark of Lord Jesus, as much as to say I am Christ's, I have had his name branded upon me. Now, by servant, they mean slave, right? Because that sounds like something you do to a slave rather than to a servant that you're just like paying. Or if you're in the nexium cults like they branded oh, did they really? each other yeah Jeez. apparently I, I listened to a podcast on it, it was really intense wow yeah so apparently that's what they were doing yikes maybe not brand but at least right i also found because i was curious about this in the old testament there's the stuff about like your body is your temple 
And so you shouldn't mess with it, essentially. It's something that's yeah. been used to be like anti-piercings, anti-tattoos, whatever. Yes, that's very much, a, uh, from what I know of Judaism, you're not supposed to be buried if you have tattoos and piercings right. like, in Jewish tradition. But it's interesting yeah. that I did, uh, I remember in the past coming across an article talking about tattooing and kind of being like, well, hang on a minute. There's references to getting marks put on your body, like in quote inscribed on your body. And Leviticus and Isaiah are both places where that is talked about, like this, you know, like writing it on Mm. your hand or something. And so it's this whole like, is that what it is? Is Maybe that's the idea though, is that think about it. If you're you're most likely your slaves slash servants are most likely not fellow Israelites, at least that was not the impression I got from like reading Leviticus, because it seems like it's all about enslaving. My understanding based on reading Exodus and Leviticus and all those things is it seems like your slaves are other conquered peoples. And so it makes sense. Yeah, we can put tattoos on them because there are slaves. But this isn't, but no, but these, these verses are not about tattooing I know, your slaves. But, but I'm willing to bet it's probably metaphorical, honestly, right? Hmm. So you Maybe. think that this is metaphorical, saying like yes. we're becoming slaves to Yahweh by tattooing ourselves with his yes. name? That is what I think. Interesting. See, well, and I feel like that, it's just saying, yeah, man, you can have tattoos. That's cool. I mean, it said he is ours and we are his. Like, it does have that interesting exchange of both. And it's like mm-hmm. when you tattoo your wedding rings on. Yeah. I've known some people who've done that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've known some people have done that, too. It's not. I mean, maybe it was cool. It was (laughs) cool when that was new. (laughs) I don't know if it's cool anymore. If you have a tattooed wedding ring, you are cool. Sorry, I take it back. (laughs) You, the listener, you have a tattooed wedding ring. That's super cool. I'm into it. (laughs) I mean, that's the idea, though, right? It's like you're putting it on in a way that's more permanent. And I could see that being like, my devotion to Yahweh is so permanent that like I would get it tattooed on me. You're wearing a ring right now, Jace, and I was I like, am. "Oh, are you like European married? Because you're wearing it on the right." He is. Hand. I bought him a ring. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. But our listeners so don't you're... need to hear all about that. We can we can but talk it's about so that. Cool. I like it. I like that. Is that what is that? Is that like? It's made out of old Jack Daniel's whiskey barrels. Whoa. Okay, maybe it is drunk by. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I have heard this as one of the verses that's brought up in the defense of tattoos. So, you know, that's fun. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah, the people who are like, no, 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 tattoos aren't banned in the Bible. Like, I don't know where you got that idea. Like, that Where did they get that idea? Uh, From the whole, we read it before in like Leviticus or something. That was the thing about like, not like your body is your temple to God and not mm. defiling the temple or this something like that. Right. Do you remember, Dedeker, yeah. what the blah, specifics blah, blah, blah. are? You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead nor print any marks upon you. Leviticus 19.28. There you go. Well, thank you. All righty. Hmm. Right, which which came up a number of times when when it, they would talk about other cultures doing things to mourn their dead, like mm. shaving their heads or mm. marking their bodies and being like, you don't do that. That's ridiculous. Got which it. feels Got to me it. unrelated to necessarily the tattoo thing, but I don't know. Anyway, I'll leave that up okay. to the politicians to debate that. Yeah. Okay. Can I tell you about Bell and Nabu? 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 Nabu. Bell and, Nabu. Bell and Nabu. 
It's spelled many different ways. Bel and Nebo was in the translation that we read. Right. Okay. Yeah. Babylonian gods. Bel is our favorite Babylonian god. You guessed it. Baal. Yeah. Christian right. Baal. Oh, always. Yes. Christian Bell. That's another cool, cool way of spelling his name, Bel. Love that. Now, Nebo or Nebu or Nabu or let's see what other <laughs> Navu or Navo. Lots of different variations on Navi? his name. No, no, Navi. Navi. Listen. It's definitely Listen. It's definitely it's definitely more of an open vowel at the end there. Don't get it don't get it wrong. So Nabu, um, he was considered to be the son of Baal. Yeah. Yes. Uh oh. He was listed as the god of many things. Some people say he was the god of writing and general wisdom. Some people say he's the god of vegetation. Uh. Um, he would usually be depicted holding a clay tablet and a stylus, so hence associated with writing. But mm. also it was like this was the stylus where he would inscribe the fates that the gods had assigned to each person. So he's kind of like the divine record keeper uh. or divine scribe, Love it. perhaps. What's pretty cool is in the Wikipedia for Nabu, uh, they actually give like what his cuneiform name was, which in an actual font, which I didn't realize you could just like type out cuneiform. It's pretty cool. I'd recommend checking it out. I also learned that um, he rode on a winged dragon that originally belonged to his dad, but he inherited it from his dad, which is pretty cool. Cool. And he has a lot of- I mean, that's certainly ancient aliens though, right? A winged dragon, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um. He sometimes is associated and kind of linked with gods from other cultures, so like outside of Babylon. So sometimes he's associated as being very similar to the Greek god Apollo um, or Hmm. with Mercury slash Hermes because he was like the god of wisdom and a messenger Uh, and and things like that. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, one of those archetypical gods that shows up in a lot of different cultures. But that's what I can tell you about Nebu, Navo, Nebu. (laughs) Navi, whoever this person is, yeah, and and that's why you know eventually Emily, we will get to King Nebuchadnezzar much later on in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebo is that? Yes, he's named after Nebo. Oh, got it. That's cool. Yeah, that's neat. It's like when we learned that so many of the characters we've met are actually named after Baal, and we just didn't Mm. realize it. Also, Yah. Cool. As well, well, didn't yeah. didn't a lot of characters we met have Yah, like Elijah and Elisha? Yeah, yeah, like a lot of characters yeah. have had Yah in their name. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. Um, so speaking of cuneiform, you said cuneiform, which sounds very educated. But uh, when I was a kid in high school, we called it cuneiform. Okay, so that sounds very uneducated. It wow, does. <laughs> I'm a man of the people. Here we are. Uh, so in the first chapter that we read, we talked about Cyrus. Miley. And so I looked into that. And Cyrus refers to Cyrus II of Persia, also known as Cyrus the Great, who on his Wikipedia article also has his name written in cuneiform. Cool. There. Yeah. So that was a fun What, what does that look like exactly? It's almost like hieroglyphics. It's like these little oh, really? iconographic cool. little characters. What I remember about cuneiform being significant is that it's one of the earliest writing systems that's been preserved because the way they did it is they originally was sort of like hieroglyphics, but they've over time 
translated them into things that could all be drawn with straight lines by taking a chisel against a rock and hitting it. Wow. So everything looks like it's wide at one end and then narrow at the other. Like all the marks are wide to narrow, like you're hitting with a chisel on a stone. So that's why a lot of old writings from the ancient world um, are cuneiform because it was like kind of one of the first ways of actually engraving stuff in stone. Huh. Because, uh, you know, because writing out letters is much harder to carve that in stone than something that you can, you know, chisel with these like single strokes at a time. It was I really guess. hard to tweet back then. Yeah. Oh, for boy. sure. It was <laughs> impossible. <laughs> They're the ones who originated tweeting, actually, because they needed to limit the number right. of characters <laughs> they were trying to write. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So here's the deal. Cyrus the Great is great. Oh. Um. He's actually super cool. So, some important facts. First of all, he lived from 600 to 530 BC. Okay. Which is a couple hundred years after Isaiah lived, but probably before Isaiah was written down, or maybe right around the same time. How did Isaiah know about him then? Prophecies. That's right. Got that's it. the deal. Got it. Got right? it. Okay. Even though, but um, isn't this actually being written later and then ascribed to being earlier? I'm just saying either way, you either believe this was what Isaiah said, in which case it's prophecies, or it's what was written down later, in which case maybe it's political or something. But either way, hmm. what's significant there's a lot of things that's significant about him. He actually is a pretty interesting figure. Uh, but specifically, it's that um, in Isaiah, he this passage we read references him as a Messiah. Oh. Like it uses that word, which huh. later in Greek became the word Christos, which is where Jesus Christ comes from. So oh. it's all that same oh, wow. original Gosh. word back in the Hebrew that became that. And what What's interesting about Messiah, I went down a quick little rabbit hole about the word Messiah, is basically it means like a redeemer or a savior. And in the Old Testament, it tends to not refer to an individual, but to a people. Okay. So in this case, referring to Cyrus is talking about kind of more his kingdom, his people, rather than when we talk about Jesus as a Messiah in the New Testament, it's very much like this one dude as opposed to kind of like the whole armies that he commanded or something like that. Okay. So that's just sort of an interesting little distinction. But anyway, what's significant is that he is not an Israelite. He's yeah. a Persian. Yeah. yeah. And so he's the only non-Israelite to be referred to as a Messiah in the Bible. That's confusing. Why would they do that? Well, so if we think about the word Messiah, meaning a savior or a redeemer, yeah. what happened is that King Cyrus the Great of Persia is the one who later, so a couple hundred years after Isaiah, liberated yeah. liberated them from the Babylonians oh. because oh. Cyrus conquered Babylon. He conquered all of Babylonia. He also, his son ended up conquering Egypt as well and was like the largest empire ever known at that time was this one by Cyrus the Great. But what was significant about Cyrus is that his style of government or statecraft, huh. if you want to call it that way, was that when he would conquer a land that had people in it, that would be in his empire, but he was very intentional about letting each people have their own temples, have their own religions, do their own thing. The Romans did that for a yeah. while also. I mean, I know the Romans are much later than Much this, later, but right. He kind of like, very similar. he started that. Uh, that 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 he idea was the of the initial influencer of 
such statecraft. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so there's this thing called the Cyrus Cylinder, which is this big round piece of stone all written in cuneiform that was kind of this proclamation at the beginning of Cyrus's reign about like what he was going to do. And one of the things it talks about is this way of basically like when they would conquer a place like Babylon, Mm -hmm. that they would, all the people that Babylon had conquered before, they would specifically reinstate those conquered people's original cultures in that place, even though they were now part of the Persian Empire. Got it. So it was kind of this much less like, we're going to try to eradicate your faith and put ours in place, which is maybe, what and the maybe, Israelites did. It's what the Babylonians did. It's what everyone and did. And maybe a much more American sense of, we're going to come into your place and liberate you. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Hmm. Potentially. So what's interesting, though, is that the Cyrus Cylinder is often regarded. Cyrus Cylinder. It's a good name. I love that. Yeah. Uh, which you can see in the British Museum. Of course, in the London. Brits have it. Of course. Yeah. So specifically, this quote comes from Neil McGregor, who is the former director of the British Museum, uh, states that the cylinder was the first attempt that we know about running a society, a state with different nationalities and faiths. So like allowing there to be diversity within your country. He said, it's a very early formulation of human rights, not individual rights, because the cylinder isn't about individual rights, because those didn't exist back then, but about the rights of communities, which was something that was very fundamental to early peoples, um, and that actually the Cyrus Cylinder is kind of one of the kind of inspiring things for groups like the United Nations, Mm. of kind of looking at like, Mm. look how far back this goes of like, we should be respecting other cultures and allowing them to have their traditions instead of trying to eradicate them and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. So that's Cyrus the Great, the one and only Messiah. Proto-human rights. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. One and only Miley Cyrus. And she will be played, I'm sorry, he will be played by Miley Cyrus, of course, in our movie. Naturally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eventually he'll come in like a wrecking ball and just liberate all the Israelites. I'm excited for that day. That's what he does do. He comes in like a wrecking ball. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, created the largest empire the world had ever seen up to that point. Wow. Amazing. Such history. Yeah. And uh, in modern day Iran is where his tomb is. And Ah. he's like a big deal in Iran because he was kind of like the first one who made the Persian Empire a big deal. Jeez. Yeah. That makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good job, Cyrus. Good old Cyrus. Well done. <laughs> well, that's all we got. Well, that was fun. Yeah, that's all we got. I mean, I wonder, I'm just really interested to see if God is just going to continue to talk about himself in the next episode. And all signs point to yes, <laughs> truly. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of how it's going. God is somehow speaking through someone speaking about himself. All signs point to Yahweh. Hmm. Or about how uh, terrible everyone else is. We'll see. I can't wait to see what happens. And I can't wait for y'all to be there with us to read this nutty book. (laughs) So we will uh, see y'all next week.